You are listening to I Can't, I Have Rehearsal, a community theater podcast. A backstage look at community theater from the point of view of the cast and crew. Hello, theater family. I'm Travis. And I'm Rachel. And welcome to another episode of I Can't, I Have Rehearsal, a community theater podcast. So, Rachel, as you know, Laura's not with us today. She's entertaining the in-laws. Yeah, no, she's entertaining, I think, her parents. Oh, oh, it's her parents. I think it's her parents. Oh, okay. I was going to say we need to insert like a dun-dun-dun underneath the in-laws thing. But it's her parents. Great. Good, good, good job. George needs the dun-dun-dun music. I think they all like each other. Do they all? Oh, that's good. That's good. It's nice to like your in-laws and everybody. Anyway. Um, (laughs) Anywho. Uh, So today we're doing another episode of Theater Reflections. Uh, Rachel and I both had the opportunity to see the show we're going to be talking about today recently, The Elephant Man as being performed by Brainerd Community Theatre over at Central Lakes College. Yes. And today we are joined with the title character. The indomitable Mr. Nicholas Corey. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Hi. It's good to be back. Yay. I know this is your third time. Yeah, right? Your third time in like 14 episodes. Do I I have the highest tally now? You you do. That's me. Well, well, you're a host, though. You're part of the team. I'm a host now. (laughs) You're part of the team. We don't count. But yeah, as far as guests are concerned, you've got the big ratio right now. Awesome. I will take it gladly. Just stop being so talented (laughs) and we can stop inviting you back. I'll do my best. How dare you? How, how, how dare you? How, how dare you have talent? Disrespectful. <laughs> so, uh, as we mentioned, Nick plays the title role of John Merrick in this production of The Elephant Man. So this is something very different than what you've done, yeah. not in total past, but in recent productions past. This is a... I know, that's my, my, my big in. question is, how does it feel to be doing like something dramatic after a lot of comedic roles and, and a musical. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love it. Um, I've always loved dramatic acting. I don't get the opportunity to do it enough. Um, it seems like this area specifically, and especially with BCT, we really hammer home comedies, which are good. Um, and I love doing comedy, but I really do. Dr- dramatic acting really challenges me in a way that, that comedic acting doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um, there's more subtlety to it. There's more nuance. Um, you have to pay attention a lot more to how you are, like, even just simple movements and stuff like that. And I really, I really like that. Not only that, but the fact that this is, uh, it's all, you know, based on true events. Like, John Merrick was an actual person. Mm-hmm. That brings a whole new level of challenge to it that I got to keep in mind that, that, am I doing this guy service? Am I, am I portraying him in a way that is honorable to him, or am I just treating it like any other role, you know, that mm-hmm. sort of thing, so... At the same time, it seems so natural for you. Yeah. Thank you. Like, watching you, I could, like, me and our friend Bree and Rachel were all there the same night, and during intermission, we went out, and we were just like, God, Nick. But we thought about it, and it's like, this is where I feel like your niche is. Yeah, I feel like that's your, like, like your wheelhouse. Like, you do comedy very well. Like, having the opportunity to act opposite you in comedy. Mm -hmm. Um, You do very well. You're very good at, like, comedic improv. But watching, <laughs> watching you just really dig, like, I think you just really love digging into a character. I do. And just watching you, like, dig into a, such a dramatic character was mm. so incredible. Yeah. There's definitely, um, there's something freeing about comedy. Because you know that there's there's a certain leeway there and there's a certain, like, freedom. Because you know that as long as you're getting a laugh, 
there's there's much more you don't have to stick as tight to maybe the specific scene or exactly what the blocking is or anything like that like with the play that i did last year play on i mean me and shane karen we really explored what our characters would be doing in those scenes and played around with that a little bit um and that was a lot of fun uh but with drama it's very much um like you you don't if you mess up like then the audience will laugh if you if you explore too much and go too heavy in one direction or commit too hard to something that's when it the absurdest bit kind of comes out so right oh, I really, and, you, and you get like the nervous laugh oh yeah and that that yeah those have been apparent um with elephant man it's not i mean it's not a it's not a light play there's there's a lot of heavy drama in it and people's natural reaction to that is often to laugh. So that's something you gotta get used to too, is like, I didn't expect to laugh after that line. Like, mm-hmm. let me think about how I'm approaching the rest of the scene. Right, yeah. exactly. Well, I just think it's, you know, you can see kind of when you were going through the process of like digging into Dr. Frankenstein <laughs> slash Frankenstein mm. when he accepts himself. Right. And, <laughs> It really is a story of self-acceptance. It's a beautiful tale. It's a beautiful tale of self-acceptance and just, you know, the creation of life. (laughs) Um, But I could almost see, like, when you were kind of diving into him, like, there wasn't as much work that went into it, and I don't think you were used to that. You You know what I mean? Just because it was kind of like... In musical comedies like that, especially in, like, super farce ones, like, everything can almost kind of seem like... We're very surface level here because right. the like the enrichment of this character here, like as Igor, it wasn't like what is his motivation right. for being this creepy. <laughs> you know, it's just like that's who he is. Right. So yeah. it's just kind of it's harder. But when you get into these dramatic things, like I even did that with, and then there were none. Like mm. I was playing that doctor. Like you know, what's his backstory? What made right. him this way? Why is he so you know skittish and everything? So going into John Merrick, I mean, getting inside the mind of somebody who is so. Mm. Yeah. You know, physically disfigured, and had pretty much what a lot of people would think probably the worst life. Yeah, uh, imaginable up until a certain point, point where yeah. Treves found him. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So was that was that hard? Like, was that kind of emotionally? Uh, yeah, I mean, well, I'm I'm I've been familiar with the story of the Elephant Man um, since a young age. I remember we watched the movie in school years ago, and ever since, I mean, I remember the movie just captivated. Um, just the fact that not only is it this compelling drama about this person, but the fact that it was all true and that this all happened. And not, you know, not verbatim and not each event as, as is, but, but the fact that it's all inspired by actual events and you can see his skeleton and you can see actually how deformed he was. Um, but then to take that and then to put it right after Young Frankenstein, which was the last <laughs> thing he did. Right. And with a musical, everything is like you go here, you do this line, you say, you sing in this way. You know, it's very. There's a lot more structure to it, mm-hmm. like even in the script. Whereas with Elephant Man, it was pretty. There's barely any stage direction. It was mostly all just lines and dialogue. Okay. And so there was really a lot of room for the director and the actors to play around with delivery and how how the scene is structured. And who, even who lines are delivered to if there's multiple people on stage. Like, that wasn't even always clear. Mm-hmm. So it really afforded a lot of freedom in that regard. Um, but, yeah, it was definitely a challenge going from Young Frankenstein, going from something like this big dramatic, not dramatic, but this big um, bombastic a, musical. I was going to say, it's a, it's a big Broadway musical. Yeah, uh-huh. going to... from that to something that's much quieter and much, much more subtle. 
right. creeps up on you. Mm. Well, like the audition ways. process for that too. Because <laughs> yeah. I was there, I auditioned for the show, and the feeling of auditioning for a play like that is just so different. Mm. Yeah. So different. And Nick and I read a scene that's in the show um, where Treves is talking about like trying to find a general anesthetic. and mm-hmm. you know, Towards the had, end of the yeah, play, yeah. He had just sent the actress away and, you know, John wants to know if she's ever coming back and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I, w- I talked to Patrick Which about that. heartbreaking. Yeah. <laughs> but see, that was like the evolution of that because when I was watching you and Kevin do that scene, I was like, oh. <laughs> Very different than a cold like, read. That's how you read that puppy. Got it. Yeah. I'm like, I know that took some time, and oh, like, yeah. that yeah. wouldn't have been the expectation in an audition to like, get there. Can you imagine though being in an audition and that's what you <laughs> watch happen? That's how you. That's how you book the roles. Yeah. <laughs> no, but there, there wasn't a single scene that was the same from first read through to final production. Like they oh all God. went through so many different iterations. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that I was I was happy to have an audition where it was just like I'm just doing cold readings, like woo. Like, yeah. <laughs> You're like I don't no have to sing. I don't have to sing. No I don't dancing. have to dance. Yeah. I don't have no. to. I have to do anything like that. I was like Nick at Young Frankenstein. In <laughs> I was like I can't vaudeville it up. I can't sing super loud. I'm You're not going to be asked to dance. I'm like now I just have to read this seriously depressing dialogue yeah. and Nick just walked in he was like hey everybody <laughs> <laughs> let's do this, this is an actual <laughs> audition like, he was just stoked so it was like I'm like this is what that feels like okay because cool. I don't do a lot of the dramatic stuff sure so it's I'd it's, like to do more it is a good challenge and I it's but and again it's one of those things that um, it, it just seems like this area in particular, the Brain of Lakes area, again, the comedies sell really well. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So there's a lot of incentive for to do a lot of comedies. Um, but the dramas are just so much... The dramas are the actor's show, I think. I think it's it's one of those things that they get popped into a season, like, selfishly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, you know, like... Um, like I feel that way, kind of like about like Mr. Burns, like that. Right. That was a, that's a mm, selfish mm. like. Well, but I, I just want to do this. <laughs> I just want to do this because I want to do this. I mean, I'm happy I did it. It was very. Yeah. It was great. It was great to do, but kind of too from that aspect, like Patrick went from like a big, well, five women was that big, but that was kind of serious. But there, I mean, it was. It was a dramedy. Yeah, it, it yeah, had both ends. Yeah. It had both ends, but doing, so you had five women and then young Frankenstein being, and then rumors mm-hmm. and church basement ladies. And church, yeah, a lot of comedy. It was a lot of like, laugh, 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 laugh. and then it's, cry your eyes out. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Feel all the feelings, unpack all the things that yeah. you didn't know that you needed to unpack, but this show is going to unpack them for mm-hmm. you. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, it's just really. What would, what would you say is, like, the most difficult part about, like, developing the character? Because you guys, what, you started rehearsals officially, like, yeah. mid-August? Well, I want to yeah, take, take it back just a little bit. Like, what initially intrigued you the most about this show, specifically? Um, the challenge. Well, one, I wanted to do another drama. I haven't done a drama since Flowers for Algernon, and that would have been three and a half years ago now, somewhere around there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was a supporting character in that. And I, I really wanted to go for a lead role in a drama because I felt like I could do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and this one, not only is it a lead in a drama, but it, the role of Merrick is particularly challenging. And I really felt like I would be capable of meeting that challenge. 
Um, but as with any audition, when I when I went into it, I said I'll take whatever role they want to give me, you know, whatever Patrick feels I'll do best in. Um, but yeah, the challenge and the opportunity to do another drama are really what brought me to it, for sure. So what do you think through the character development? I mean, because like to preface the audition process, like there was almost like a medical disclaimer yeah. that came with the role of John Merrick. Mm -hmm. Like you should be like physically evaluated if you would like to play this role <laughs> because yeah. it's it's physically challenging. And I remember showing up and Patrick was like, you're not auditioning for, <laughs> for John, right? And I said, God, no. <laughs> I said, I could barely hunch over as Igor yeah. and like keep my spine straight. I said, I'm suffering from arthritis over here. I don't need that in my life. Right, right. I'm going for the people that stand up straight. <laughs> He's like, okay, good. I just wanted to check. Like, it would be fine if you were, but I just wanted yeah. to check. Mm -hmm. But like, was would you consider that to be the most difficult part or like it was a different kind of challenge definitely the physical contortion um simply because like because again drama presents its own challenges anyway because you have to think about all the different things as far as like how you're moving how you're looking at different things the facial expressions you're making which again you think about in comedy but just not as much um but then on top of that like I couldn't make a lot of different physical expressions. Like, that's part of the character, is that he didn't show much emotion. Mm -hmm. And that was a challenge, for sure. Um, assuming a position that... It wasn't accurate to how he looked, but it was it conveyed the sense of restricted movement. I think that was more... Like, it's like, okay, I'm not trying to make myself look like the photo. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to just make myself positioned in such a way that it conveys to the audience that movement, simple movement, is difficult for this person. So, you know, arching the back to the side and and, and turning one leg inward and, and that sort of thing and having one arm that's always out, whereas the other one I can use normally. Yeah, there's all, like, that's all stuff that we learned and, and with Patrick's help and with my own, like, trying to figure out what I can maintain throughout a show. Um, that we really evolved from early on towards the actual production and what ended up what ended up being on stage. So watching you do that was it, it definitely. I mean, it really paints a picture because I mean, and spoilers <laughs> in the show. <laughs> well, not really because I mean, the Elephant Man. You can Google deep dive. Mm -hmm. I know I did. Yep. Yeah. Um, it's all out there. It's all out there. So it's. I mean, you see the photos of John Merrick. In the actual show, mm -hmm. so you have an, but then you, like your initial transformation into him mm -hmm. was so. Like I could picture exactly what right. what he looked like the entire time, mm -hmm. what he like physically looked like, and I know you. There's no, you know, makeup or anything like mm -hmm. that, but it's it's all you contorted. But just seeing how, you're. I mean, you had such, like, not like a blank expression, but your face never moved. Right. And it was like that the entire time. And I just remember thinking, ah. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It was super fascinating to, like, convey Especially, so much emotion when you just, like, weren't moving your face at all. Yeah. Considering like, how much I know you like to move your oh eyebrows. God, that was, <laughs> yeah. That's another thing. There was so many, early on, there's so many times where Patrick's like, all right, you're, you're doing too much eyebrow stuff. And I'm like, God dang it. It's just natural. It's just so, like, just, mm, like, suddenly one's up and one's down and they're off to the side and just, nope, can't do any of that. We also have very thick eyebrows. <laughs> very expressive. You're yeah. very expressive. They're lush. They're, they're, they're lush. lush eyebrows. But that's all I remember thinking, because I just... 
working with you before and thinking, mm-hmm. God, that man knows how to use his eyebrows. <laughs> 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 and like a little, like little things, like even yeah. like other shows that I've seen you in. I'm like, mm. how do you get that kind of emotion with just moving your eyebrows? Yeah, my cool. sister can do that too. It's creepy. <laughs> <laughs> she can cut you a look. It's <laughs> a lot. But like, I like that they didn't use any makeup or prosthetics and stuff on you because too. if you YouTube like the show there's some like bootleggy stuff out there for mm-hmm. this and there's people that have put full on mm-hmm. prosthetic heads on people right. and like yeah. made these awful costumes to like I get what they're trying to do I but it almost brings a like a cheapened version of it because yeah. you're yeah. you know you're not looking at the person that behind all of that because they're covered in well, and I think yeah. that I think something like that too. Just speaking artistically, I think it takes away a lot from the message of the play, which is that Merrick is a normal human being that's just treated like an animal because of the way he looks. And I think that if if Patrick would have decided that he wanted to do some sort of prosthetic or he wanted to, you know, add something to me to represent that, I don't think the actual. I think that would have been contrary to the theme of the show. Yeah. So I think it was the right decision not to do anything. And and just the versions are like the, the bootleggy versions that I, the I would prefer no makeup. It's one of those mm-hmm. things where you you're trying to get to know John Merrick as like as a person, as right. a human. You're not. I mean, you can look and you know he's deformed. Yeah. Like you know going into it that he's a deformed indiv- individual. Mm-hmm. But he was. I hadn't realized like how really intelligent he necessarily was Mm -hmm. i mean people i mean you you get this like vision of him and you look at at photos and you think oh gosh i mean Mm. you you don't think that they had you know the greatest quality of life and he didn't necessarily um but just getting into that he was very you know he was well read he was very intelligent he did you know could be creative and yeah. things like that. It's so it's it's bigger to me to see those like little pockets of his life than sure. the actual deformity. And even even from a technical standpoint too, like a show like this, I think thrives in its simplicity. Mm-hmm. And if, yeah. like this particular particular production, we didn't have much as far as set dressing or anything like that. We had the furniture that we needed for each scene, and that was it. And I think that having prosthetics, that's just another thing that can go, go wrong. Or if it's not on completely, like that just distracts. The audience from what's actually happening it distracts the actors too yeah. from what's happening you have enough work oh. with props <laughs> yeah exactly oh yeah well at the end of the day it's kind of like it almost cheapens the experience for the person right. playing that character because yeah. they don't have to try to do what what you did right they don't have to try to convey no emotion but you're still fully exposed like mm-hmm. they're underneath this whole headpiece all they have to do is talk in a monotone voice and sure the job of not conveying any emotion is already done for you because nobody can see your actual face. Right. Yeah. You know, so it almost, it robs the actor of the experience of really Definitely. diving into the character. So I'm glad you actually got the opportunity to like do it in a holistic and mm-hmm. like natural way. Yeah. Agreed. I know like, like one of my big questions, like emotionally, how emotionally, because every role we, we go into, you kind of like, I, I do. I don't know if you two do. <laughs> <laughs> you try to relate it to some experience in your, like you date, you pull from real life. Sure. As far as that. And then just as far as like emotional demands, because it's, I mean, it's, it's a heavy role. 
Yeah, this is a, this is a show that's very draining, um, emotionally draining. Uh, it's not as much as say the first drama I did, which was Rhymers of Eldritch, um, simply because that one the themes in that show were very different from the themes in this one. Mm-hmm. Um, that one was all about just how dark humanity can get in like small town Midwest USA. And that that was one that like we never walked off stage smiling or had, like we were proud of the work we did, but we never were like, this was really fun, you know, like yeah. even though it was a good experience. Whereas with Elephant Man, um, because it's more about just the acceptance of someone beyond how they look. And like that's a theme that's so much easier to digest. But even still, it was still emotionally draining by the end of it, especially like I had the the benefit of I wasn't on stage all the way till the end, so I'm not acting that entire time and then walking off stage after the curtain call, just like, oh, like after the death scene, I had that little bit of time to kind of decompress and and get ready for the vows and all that, and then it was like, okay, I'm good to go. Um, I never really, I'm not really one to take aspects of a character and relate it to my personal life. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always been really good at at compartmentalizing things like work and home and, and that sort of thing. Um, I guess I don't really know. I just, a lot of it is looking at how the scene is evolving around me and how other actors are delivering their lines and then just thinking, okay, how would that get, what would Merrick do to react to that? Or what would, and I guess, I guess that's always just been kind of how it's been for me. It hasn't been too difficult for me to think like, all right, this character is like this. Someone says that word, Merrick would respond by looking them in the eye or by averting his gaze or by whatever so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so and like the show it kind of pushes some boundaries and i think some of these shows are going to push some boundaries this year yeah just that patrick because we have a much more dramatic season coming up with like a little comedic interlude there in the center yeah <laughs> you know we have bill w or dr bob coming mm-hmm. next and then boeing boeing is our comedic but then we have a few good men yeah after yeah. that and, you know, I don't know what he's got planned for the summer. Hopefully but. a lot of funny, because he's going to be in after the season. <laughs> he tends to lean funny for the summer. Yeah. So that's, that's the hope. Got to bring him in. So, I mean, it's nice that we're having kind of a more dramatic season, but I think a lot of people, too, were worried about the show community-wise because there are some boundary-pushing yeah. subject matter. There's, mm-hmm. a, there's a pretty boundary-pushing scene that, if not done correctly, could be perceived as... You know, a little... Which I think was done too far. I thought it was done tastefully. wonderfully. Oh, yeah. yeah. thought it was done... But and there but was always that, like, gasp of, you know, when it was happening, mm-hmm. which we don't have to dive too deep into it because, no, no, no. you know, Jenny's not here and I don't want to dive too deep into her character without right. her being without here her to, like, being explain to, like, that like, process yeah. and everything. But, but I think... But Patrick has always said it in, like, the... He even said it in his interview with us earlier, you know, in the year, that, you know, if... Do nudity... It's not because it's tasteful or because it's gratuitous or because it's it's integral to the show. Right. Mm-hmm. Like if I'm going to do a show with nudity, it's integral to the show. Yeah, you said it's not intended to be titillating. I think is what yeah, you said. It's yeah, it's not intended to be titillating. titillating. It's yeah. intended to like portray this message, mm-hmm. you know. And that yeah. was like, in that moment, that was like a gift that no other person in John Merrick's life had been. Yeah. willing to even think about giving him. Right. You know? I mean, it wasn't like they, they had a romantic relationship after that, but right. it just, he she gave him an experience and a moment so that he 
he could basically almost check that off his bucket list and right. you know know what that was like yeah so but yeah I, I agree I thought it was very tastefully it's done it's very well done I applaud the actress that played the character because that's that's a hard thing it's to a, do well it's a lot to ask just an actor because you come out on stage and just like a pair of boxer shorts initially essentially yeah essentially yes yeah. But it's a lot to ask an actor. I'm like, mm, I need you to be pretty much almost naked when you come out for the first time. Are you okay with that? Yeah. <laughs> for, like, uh, we all check that box. Are you comfortable with this? Yeah. Yes. Are you comfortable <laughs> with that? Yes. Will you dye your hair? Sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, we were in the auditions. Like, every woman that went in to read was in there a little bit longer because there was a one-on-one -on -one conversation happening mm. with each each woman, with like each with each Patrick lady that anybody who was interested role. in the role. Yeah. yeah just like this is what we're kind of thinking to start you know and it's done a lot of different ways i mean i've seen versions of it that it's done where it is complete full full frontal, full frontal. Oh, yeah. and it's you know that can be really odd. i mean when we used when you saw her back there was still an, at least in our performance there were a few people that were like <gasps> yeah you know like oh wow didn't know that was going to go there and of course you have your teenagers that are there from his acting class that like are <laughs> you know can't hold it back and it's like this isn't the time for that you know and then you're you're, you're mistreating like, like you're, you're doing what he doesn't want you to do you're you're right. misconstruing you're this misconstruing whole situation it. but i would say that even those situations like people who react like that from the experience of this show have been the minority um, yeah definitely the vast majority of people who've seen this show felt like they understood the gravity of the moment and i think that's important too is that if you're going to approach a show like this and, and nudity is in the script you have to give the audience the opportunity to react to it appropriately. I, I think it's important not to go, well, people aren't going to understand, so let's not do it. You know yeah. what I mean? Mm -hmm. I think it's important to to give them the benefit of the doubt. Well, it's kind of like cutting out language in a show, too. Exactly. Like, you know, there could be, you know, you have a monologue that's just laced with the F word. And, mm -hmm. and people are like, oh, I don't know if it's going to play well here. And then, but most people are like, nah, it's, I need it. I need, right. I need all those F words. Yep. And it's, well, <laughs> and I mean, there's some things like that, obviously if it's, there are things that are like, because this show was written in a certain time period. So there are elements of language that there's one word that we changed that Patrick decided to change um, just because it was culturally insensitive. And that was during the pinhead scene in the beginning. Okay. Um, I wondered about that. Yeah. It's just stuff like that. Um, and that kind of stuff is important, I think. But, but if you're just worried about, audience like insulting the audience as far as like when it comes to cursing or when it comes to nudity again i think it's really important to one hold yourself to the original playwright's vision and the yeah. artist's intent and two to again give the audience the benefit of the doubt yeah you have to let them i think we have to do a lot more of that in the area too yeah mm -hmm. i think we guard a lot of the things that we do sometimes and we almost Maybe not censor, but we cater to, we cater to uh, you know the audience a little bit yeah. because we want them you know because we want them to keep coming back. Right. You don't want to. Maybe that's why the the comedies are done a lot because you, there's not so much yeah. of yeah those kind of things. Because you don't want to push people like you obviously like myself as an actress, and I'm I'm sure you and Travis do the same thing. Like you want to be able to push yourself. Like you want oh, to yeah. be able to mm -hmm. do things that are going to push you. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it's why I love you know, working with BCT because they, I've done a, a few roles that have really just finally like kind of pushed you like over yeah. a hump or, or, you know, gives you an opportunity to dig into something. But I mean, you want to be able to push your actors like mm -hmm. in the area, but then you also don't want to push your audience away. 
Exactly. Mm-hmm. And you always hear those, I mean, you do hear the horror stories of like someone who sees a show is so offended that they complain to whoever's in charge of the venue. Like they would complain to the CLC's president or whatever like that. And then, and then there might be repercussions from that. But mm-hmm. luckily we've been, we've been uh, lucky enough that this area has been, for the most part, pretty accepting. That, and the CLC president has been so... Oh, she, yeah. She is so incredibly supportive mm-hmm. of everything that, that BCT has done. Yes. That I think that makes a huge difference when you have an administration that's just like, go for it. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, I think she even came to like Young Frankenstein multiple times just because she, she came, enjoyed I know, it I know she lot. came she so twice. Much. And she was at opening night for, for this show. Yes. Yeah. You know, so she's showing her support even just by showing up. And she, those kind of things I know get through her oh yeah you know Definitely. like you have to present this like well here's what we're doing like mm-hmm. speak now or you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's gonna, it's, you know it's gonna happen right and yeah like you said she's always been very supportive of patrick's vision and mm-hmm. the way patrick handles things you can tell there's a lot of trust there mm-hmm. otherwise a lot of the stuff that we've done wouldn't, wouldn't have gotten happen, done yeah. you know so it's nice to know that that's that's there because it's that's the place where I think people go to to experience a lot of culture right? for this area. Oh, yeah. They get the most of it there. And I, I work primarily with two of two of our companies. Mm-hmm. And, you know, right now up in, up in Guapa, we're doing a lot of, you know. It's a lot of family-friendly. A lot of family-friendly mm-hmm. things because there's a demand for that up there. Mm-hmm. So it's nice to have a place down here where you can kind of explore yeah. more dramatic things, more boundary-pushing Type thing because there's a lot of boundary pushing musicals that I'd love to see sure. come down here, like Rent or <laughs> um, I don't know, I can't think of the other one right now, but there's other things that would be great in there. But I mean, so I mean, do you have something that was the biggest challenge for you? Yeah, I mean, was there something that what did you find the most difficult about the process? Um, the singular biggest challenge, I think, uh, wouldn't be the contortion. Um, not that I would want to say it's easy because it wasn't, mm-hmm. but I just adapted to it. Uh, I think it was finding Merrick's voice, um, like actually how I was delivering lines, because in the auditions I played him very, very straight. And even in the first few read-throughs, I didn't put a lot of energy behind his voice because in my head, the easiest way to convey issue speaking is to make him sound almost monotonous mm-hmm. um and then that then i would focus more on how i was saying the words like the the sounds i was making mm-hmm. um but my emotion the emotion level behind it was always pretty even and i guess i had just seen merrick like that in my head um and then it, after a couple of weeks patrick was just like well you know he's he's definitely like you can't do any emotion with your face so we definitely need to get that out in some way and even if even if merrick wasn't one to you know boil over often maybe we need to play with that idea with you just so that we can get that message across to the audience. I'm like, okay, well, that makes sense. And then from there, it was um, contorting my mouth in such a way that I could make sounds that were um, intelligible, but not allowing myself to move my mouth too much while I was doing that. Um, And when was it okay to kind of go a little lax for the interest of making sure that a line was really heard or a line was understood and when was it okay to force the mouth to stay still and and let things get a little garbled like that was that's a balancing act that was really something that i had to work on and it was even up to i'm sorry it was even up to right before like even opening night i was after opening night i was like 
how was the vocalization? And he's like, oh, vocalization. He's like, oh, it was great. You did great. It's like, okay, good. Now I know where I'm like, I was changing things all the way up until we were doing shows. So, okay. And I, like your inflection too. Mm-hmm. I really, I really appreciated it because it's, it's just, you could definitely tell, I don't know how to say it, like wisely. <laughs> <laughs> um, like, you know how we naturally go off at a question mm-hmm. and say, oh, well, what are you doing? Or right. anything like that. And I, there's just a couple of times where I'm just like, oh, that's such a great choice. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, and like, you did a great job with it because I could understand everything. Yeah. Said, and we, I mean, we weren't super close either. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we were in rows G and H. Yeah, so we were, were halfway like, back in the house. And exactly. Your projection did not suffer from what you were doing like, great. with your yeah. face. That's good to hear. <laughs> how you were delivering things at all. Yeah. I didn't hear that. There were some you people that voice. had like those, <laughs> those hearing devices oh, yeah. at opening night. I mm-hmm. saw that because mm-hmm. I think there, there was, was maybe like a precursor heart. just because it's it is a more quiet yeah. type show. Yeah. You know, and nobody's mic'd or anything right. in it. So it was, I don't know. I, but you did not suffer. Well, thank that you. did not suffer the performance one bit. Good. Not at all. So is there like a specific scene that was particularly difficult to master? Hmm. Because you, you acted a majority with Kevin, but you also had a lot of interactions with, with Mark. Mm-hmm. And then uh, quite a bit with Jenny, too, as well. Yeah. Mad. Did anything need any more attention than others? Was there something that was kind of like, oh, we're never going to get this right? Or, um, You know, that scene with... The last scene that I had with Kevin, the, the American Trees, um, the confrontation scene is what I call it. I forget what the actual scene was titled, but... Um, that one was one that I felt there was multiple lines in there because the pendulum of who's in charge of that of that interaction changes so frequently. Like there's at one point Treves is the active party and he's the one who's presenting questions and posing ideas, and then at one point it's Merrick and then it just swings right back after one line. And and it was I remember working with Kevin and looking at the lines and and particularly like okay well he says this word here and we did this a lot with this show because the script was amazing. It's like, all right, he says this word here, which this is the exact word that Gom said, you know, eight scenes ago. How did how did Michael say that eight scenes ago? That should inform how I say it here because they're literally the exact same phrase. And now the, how does that interact with you? And so we're really exploring the, the way that scene should play out that wasn't in the script itself. Because again, the script is just lines. Oh. All it is is just words. Oh, I get what you mean. Like the four-year-old good. Mm-hmm. There's, like, there's a lot uh, of repeated like, elements in this. There's a lot of, like, that to me, like, that one was the one that really kind of, like, mm-hmm. like really stabbed me. Yeah. Because you're like, oh, and no. The, yeah. Like, and just seeing that whole arc was like, I'm yeah. so sad about it. <laughs> and the play itself, like, scene one mirrors scene 20 and scene two mirrors scene like they all you could fold it in on itself and you could see it's not an exact mirror no but, but you, you could, could see, see the, the parallels lines. oh yeah. Easily, yeah so easily and, and so that presented a new layer of challenge like thinking about okay is this in the second half of the play how did how did its sister scene play out in the first half what do we have to take away from that and then there's just some things uh like and this is from a different scene now but where treves has his line um, at the end of the of Kendall's re- revealing scene, um, he says, you know, do you know what you are? Do you know what's forbidden? Blah, blah, blah. And the script didn't say who he was saying that to. Mm-hmm. 
So every night, Kevin would try it a little differently. First, he's delivering it to me and condemning, or to Merrick and condemning Merrick. And then he's delivering it to Kendall and condemning her. There's one, one night where he just kind of delivered it and we're both there and we both had to react to it. So it's really playing around and seeing what fits best within the context of it. And you really had to pick the script apart. And I, I loved that. But that, that last scene with, with Kevin was the one that we definitely were changing pretty much up until the last minute. So... Was the death scene particularly hard? Um, yeah, I didn't want to go... I was worried that it would come across comedic because it's so easy to overplay something for a laugh. You know what I mean? I shouldn't say it's so easy, but I. it's simple. It's not that difficult for me to just overplay and keep going and like, you know, all right, I'm going to die and then I'm going to, you know, there's going to be a last move or whatever that elicits a laughter. So that that the specific dying part of it was something that i had to find that sweet spot to where it was enough to where it was affecting but it wasn't so much that it was absurd i cried (laughs) (laughs) i mean it was really it was done well the one part that really confused me and it's not that i didn't like it i just was Mm. kind of like taken off guard by it was like the dreamish sequence Mm. that happened like, like there, there was that overtone of like the playful child's music, and mm-hmm. it almost went kind of like to a creepy. Yeah. Oh, you mean during the death scene? During the death scene. I see. Okay. When they came out and like did their little dance over you, mm-hmm. and then the music was playing, and then all of a sudden like you, it it it, it, it almost made your death kind of look like an accident because I sure. I remember it being played in one other way that I saw this that it was actually like he laid down on purpose. Right. Which was. What we were going for. Kind of life. Mm -hmm. But it almost kind of made it look like you were having such an intense dream that, like, Mm. you reacted, your body kind of fell back, and your death was a complete accident because you didn't wake up when you went back. Right. And then it was too late because you couldn't lift Mm. your head up, kind of thing. Does it, yeah, just. Just so, physical deformity just made it impossible. Yeah, to, at that point. To, to you know sit back up. Mm-hmm. So that was the one thing I didn't know if that was intentional or if that, like what because I, I don't I hadn't seen that before. Sure. The the themes that that Patrick and I talked about with that scene, um, and you can see it with the mirror at the beginning of the scene that Merrick's looking in the mirror and he he takes one bite of his food. He um, the I think in the the script it said that he makes an adjustment or he polishes the model um, and I turned it into like he thinks about it but he doesn't actually do it um, that kind of stuff it's it's him realizing and this parallels the scene with Kendall where they're talking about Romeo and Juliet it's it really was Merrick realizing that all of this that's around him is that illusion mm-hmm. um, it's that illusion that Romeo had where the illusion of, of love with Juliet and when that illusion fails him, when when he sees that all of this is everyone just, you know, trying to give him a normal life, but in the act of doing so, they're they're making him feel more separate. Right. Mm-hmm. That's when he just decides, well, you know, he's going to end it himself. Um, so that definitely was that sh- that is an action that he took of his own accord, as far as I know. Like the actual John Merrick. Um, I think they believe that he did lay out flat. On purpose. On purpose, yeah. Um, I don't know for sure, but... We'll never. (laughs) Yeah, right. Yeah, that's true. Because, I mean, what? Was 18... 1889, I think, was where the play ended. Um, So, I mean, that in itself, but it's also, like, with Mark, Mark's character. Mm. um, That, like... 
<laughs> Which I mean, he did he his did job. He did well. his job. You're, job, you're not, God, su- you're not supposed to slap that guy in the face. I will hear his be right back till the day I die. Like when he delivered at the end of that one of the earlier scenes in the show. When I'm when Merrick turns to follow him and he turns around, he just says, "I'll be right back." And just the way he, oh man, I loved it because that gave me. He a lot did it more. so well, and like, and and it was like an instant, like. You know when a character is good, but you instantly hate them. Oh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That was Mark's character. Yes, for me. definitely. It was like an instant hate, like, and but just that kind of full circle where he comes around again, you know, and wants to put Merrick on display, mm-hmm. and you know, it's a but it's a, a different type of display. It's mm-hmm. a different type of selling yourself. Right. And I'm like, oh, this is too heavy for Merrick. <laughs> well, and everything, like, not everything, but. But what he's saying is true in that scene. Yeah. Like, it's true that Merrick is like he's living a life that's that's that mirrors a normal life, but he's still on display. People still come and and they go to see the Elephant Man, and it's not very few people I think have a genuine relationship with Merrick even after he's at the hospital. It still feels like everyone everyone is there just to see him, and because he's something to talk about, he's something to he's on display. So yeah. Which is, like, it's so heartbreaking. Oh, yeah, very much so. Like, the, just the, I'm, I'm trying to unpack it still. <laughs> there's a lot to it. It's so, it's, it's, it's the biggest onion of a play that I have ever seen <laughs> in my entire, like, there, like, you peel back, like, you think, you're like, ah, oh, I've peeled back a no. bunch of the layers, and you're just like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> but there's this, and there's, and there's that, like, the biggest I think one of my favorite scenes is when Jenny's character, Matt, shakes your right hand. Shakes mm. John's right hand. The end of the first oh. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I, I can't with that. <laughs> it was way too much for me. That right. was one of those moments where Patrick kept telling me, just wait a little longer before you switch hands. Like, just give it a little bit longer. Like, just let that really sink in. And then same thing with, like, my fake exit at the end where I start to leave and then I turn around and I deliver my last line to Frederick, to Kevin, and then I pause and he kept saying, just pause a little bit longer. Like, really let the audience just sit with that. And I'm like, okay, all right. And, and when you do... her right hand. And she's... Stu- <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. She sticks out her right mm-hmm. hand and she's holding it there and there's just that dead air mm-hmm. of you, you know, you're, you know, John struggling. He's like, mm-hmm. oh, Okay. And then switches his hand, and you're just like, oh, my she heart. did. Heather and I were both like, <gasps> <laughs> literally. Like, yeah. you have it. Oh, oh god, what's gonna happen? Yeah, is he gonna give it to her? That was, and also at the end of that scene. So the scene ends with Merrick sobbing, um, and we had always like for most of the rehearsals we had missed that stage direction. And so we would just end the scene. Like, I would just sit on the bed, and then the scene would end right after the line was delivered. And then it wasn't until uh, maybe three weeks. Like, it wasn't until, like, actual, like, dress and tech started that our stage manager was like, well, he's actually supposed to sob here. So we're like, oh, okay. And I'm like, "Uh, how do I cry convincingly? Uh, So then I'm on the bed like, (laughs) and I'm like, I'm sitting there thinking, like, this sounds terrible. But it, it makes sense. It because, does. Because John has never, like, had that interaction with a woman exactly. before. And he's so, it's it's almost like an elated, like, mm-hmm. oh, she 
does actually like me as a person yeah type of situation after she gets um, you know the opportunity to talk to you right so and what it was if i never like i didn't feel good about any of my sobs until opening night because what it is is i realized that having the audience out there my anxiety goes way up like it just shoots up and i'm sure most everybody's like this like when you're actually performing for people your your stress is higher and that like once i told myself like okay by the end of the scene i have to cry that was like that's my release like that's the goalpost. so i just made sure i telegraphed it with the handshake and all that and then once i sat down i'm like all right just just you're just done just be done and then i was like boom like then i'm actually i'm up there actually crying and the breathing is actual sobbing and i was like oh that's actually kind of freeing i like that yeah <laughs> it's different having those moments in shows where you actually have to convey like like it's it's a very vulnerable state to find someone, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and to expose that through a character. But knowing that you know a lot of people go through, like they bring up things from their life that yeah. get them to such a deep place that they can actually make that happen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I just think of dead puppies. It's <laughs> so terrible. <laughs> I think about speaking at my mom's funeral, as morbid as that sounds. Oh, that! It, as it works every time. It's it's great. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a fun place to go to. No. Well, it, it, you know, now that you think about it, though, like I think about like I had to cry a couple of times in Five Women, mm. and just getting to that like deep place besides yeah. dead puppies uh, was going to Noah's my son's funeral. No. Like being that adult at his funeral, yeah. and you're just like, oh, I'm so yeah. But like you, you need that like uncomfortable feeling to mm. like. Yeah, a lot of people think it's like really morbid to think about, but it's it's, it's not. It's not just because yeah. like, you're not doing it because you want that to happen. You're doing it because that's like that's the emotional state mm-hmm. that you need to be in. That would that would emotionally break you as a person. Yes. Mm-hmm. So to even have like the semblance of knowing of what that might feel like mm-hmm. and fearing that mm-hmm. yeah just I works it's really good i know like with that scene just in general and just the back and forth between you and jenny's character mm. like i got so hopeful <laughs> like in the audience mm-hmm. like oh maybe oh he's gonna get a chance to fall in love <laughs> There's gonna be a silver. Like I know how this story ends. Right. <laughs> I think that's my favorite scene in the show. Is that one? Is Just it? because it's that's the big turning point for Merrick, mm-hmm. and that scene specifically, like you, that is basically that's a, there's a whole arc for him just in that scene, um, going from starting with creating the model and then like interacting with Kenny or with Ken, Kendall. Uh, I combined Kendall and Jenny there for a minute. Um, interacting with Kendall and, and how that goes from she starts out much like what Treve says, like a creature of his imagination, something that he, like there's always been a barrier there, there's always been a distance between him and, and a woman, like, you know. Mm-hmm. And and then by the end of it, like he's he's opened up to her he's, and she's accepted that. Like he's explained this crazy idea about how Romeo and Juliet actually aren't in love and she is appreciative of that explanation. Like she she opens up to that vulnerability and he recognizes that. And so then you have that brief moment where they're like, it feels like they're on the same plane. And then she cements that idea home that he's a normal person. I'm going to shake his hand like a normal person. And then that just is like, it's this big break open for him. Like all the emotion comes out. And I just, I love that whole scene. Yeah. yeah. That, that was, 
like the pivotal turning point. That, that, I think that was my favorite scene in the show, to be perfectly honest, just that. Especially like the precursor to it, like the whole thing between mm, Kendall and yeah. Trees, that, you know, he's trying to like nail it home. And there is just like a little comic relief. Oh yeah, they have brevity in there for sure. They have, there's, there's some, like just her asking on <laughs> the unafflicted parts. Unafflicted, yeah. the unafflicted parts. There's no bone in it. Well, there's no bone in it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, my favorite line of the whole thing was you talking about the lunch. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's silly, Thank but you like, for saving you lunch just kind of looked right up at him and you're like, Thank you for Thank saving you the lunch <laughs> this time. <laughs> like, at least I get to eat. Like, it was like, I mean, we laughed, but it was one of those things where you're just like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> like, you're like, oh, that's a funny line, but oh, funny. <laughs> well, <laughs> under what circumstances? <laughs> you know what I mean? then, yeah. then your brain sees all the times before that yeah. lunch wasn't saved. Lunch and, wasn't saved, yeah. and you're just like. <laughs> well, and to start there with just her, you know, because that reaction is when, like, society first started seeing right. John Merrick, and then watching the evolution of all the supporting characters yeah. mm -hmm. meet him, you know, because you see, like, like Jesse's character, for example, when you're in the hospital and you're living there, in the beginning, he went to, like, gawking you, yeah. you know, and because he was the new employee and mm -hmm. whatever, but towards the end, he's the last person that sees you alive, mm -hmm. you know, and he's the one that brought you your lunch, yep. and he's trying to have conversations Very with you, like your old friends, yeah. you know? Mm -hmm. So it was interesting to see just, like, the evolution of all the other societal characters yes. and their acceptance of him and overlooking, finally overlooking all of the deformities to see the actual man that was underneath all of that, right. yeah. you know? So that was really cool just to watch everybody evolve. Mm -hmm. Is there anything that, for the people that saw the show now since the run is over... Is there anything that you hope that people took with them? Is there a theme that you hope they grabbed onto or a message that you guys wanted to convey going in that you were really hoping people would pick up on? Um, I think it's just the, the age-old idea that looks aren't everything and that you can't judge a book by its cover. I know that's cliched to say that, but I think that's ultimately what Merrick's story is about, is that, that you can't... Like, everybody has their struggles, and everybody... You can't treat people like less than people just based off of superficial things like how they look mm -hmm. or how they dress or, or even things that are outside of their control, like Merrick's whole life. Yeah. Um, it's it's just... It's making sure that people find the humanity in how they're treating others. Yeah. I think in today's world, this was a really important thing, especially for people that live in a smaller mm. community, mm -hmm. to really so see. Right. It's so easy. We all have these mini computers we hold in our hands all day long, yeah. and it's so easy to hide behind those. And, and that's and the thing. Like People get brave behind these things. Yes. Yeah. They, very brave. They just... I mean, I know like in my community of people, like it's heartbreaking. Just even like you say hi to somebody on one of these apps, and if you don't look an iota like some buff tan smooth individual <laughs> right you're a freak of nature yeah. and they make sure that you feel that mm -hmm. you know and that's the same with you know even in high schools if you're not one little bit what a group is looking for you don't fit mm -hmm. something like i think clicks are more prevalent now than ever because you can sure. create these groups and subgroups within social media outlets and then those become real life yeah instances that you live in 
on a daily basis. And I think people have just kind of lost sight of what's really yeah. I mean, the kids important. are always talking about, like, you need to be woke. Like, you need to be woke. Yeah. <laughs> I've been woke. I, I woke up eight hours ago. Yeah. I don't know what you're talking about. I've been woke since 89, son. <laughs> <laughs> it's just... like, you weren't even alive when 9-11 happened. You need to wake up, sir. <laughs> but it's something, like, I mean, we, we need to strive as people to, like... To me, when I, what I pulled away from the show is that, again, like again, you don't judge a book by its cover. You don't necessarily mm. need to, but take the time to meet someone. Oh, like right. really, like mm-hmm. just because you know they may act a certain way, or they are, you know, mm. they, you know, maybe they have. You never know. Like people, like may have it, like an attention deficit disorder right. or mm-hmm. something like that. But as you get to know them as a person, as you get on their level, as you start to learn about them, you're just like, oh, we have so much in common. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, I would hang out with you on the regular. <laughs> <laughs> snap judgments just need to not be a thing Yeah, anymore. it teaches you not to snap judgments. And especially, yeah. about, especially about things that are outside of the, the circumstances, or circumstances that are outside of the control of the person that they're leveled upon. Things like color of your skin and where you're born and how you talk and and, yeah. and ignoring birth defects and deformities like just everyday people like just people are people and that's what that's ultimately what this is all about it's such a hard line too because it's such a scary time right mm. now that we live yes. in i mean and you you're almost when you watch the news and when you read things on social media you're almost programmed to distrust everyone mm-hmm. question everyone you know question don't everything. don't look up while you're walking right. like it's almost rude to smile at somebody and say good morning now because <laughs> that automatically means that i'm gonna make you a victim of sex a sex trafficking like right. you know so it's like people need to know that there's a difference between like being aware and being mean yeah oh yeah you know there's a line there like mm-hmm. like i know my job like our like in my everyday job our big thing if you you come it's a 510 rule mm. like if you're 10 feet away from somebody you need to acknowledge their presence if you're five feet away from somebody you should say hello good morning good mm. afternoon like type of thing mm-hmm. and i know like we get around the resort you know 90 percent of the time on a golf cart if you're driving something if you come if you go past a guest if you go past another employee you should wave mm. like it's a big thing and people are just like i'm just and we hear it all the time in the comment cards. People are so nice. And I'm like, I just waved at you. Right? <laughs> it's just like... Yeah. It goes a long way. That's the thing. Like, my parents talk about it all the time, living in Maine. Like, it's such a different world out there. Mm. Like, you can go to the grocery store, and the lady behind you will just start talking to you. Mm. And you'll learn all about her life in the five minutes you're being checked out and packing up your groceries. <laughs> and, like, they'll help you bag your groceries, because that's a human kind thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. Here, it's like, if I go up to somebody in Aldi and, like, offer my quarter so they don't have to, like, walk their cart all the way back, <laughs> they actually will be like, no, I'm good. And they'll walk their cart all the way back so they get their original quarter. <laughs> and then I have to walk right behind them and then put the quarter in and take <laughs> the cart. Like, like we could have saved ourselves a lot of time here if you just would have taken but my quarter. I've had two different experiences with that, though, too. I mean, sometimes you get the people who who you, they see you with the quarter and they're like, 
you want this card? Yeah. They're very rare, but there's people in the area that do do it. I don't know. I've talked to a ton of people. In Maine, there's four people running around. Need a cart? Need a cart? Need a cart? Oh, do you work here? Nope. They're like hustling that cart, and they'll just give it away and be like, you keep the quarter. It's like, I just made 25 cents coming to all of you today. Yes. I have 25 cents up. I have two cart quarters now in my car in case I lose one. You know? But so we typically at the end of the episodes we ask about like what your final message is going to be. Yeah. Do you have something, you know, beyond from like the first time you were here and when we talked about, you know, your multiple creative outlets and mm-hmm. everything? Is there anything, you know, I tell you to plug your next project, but <laughs> kind of in between things right now. Yeah. Are, are you working on anything in any of your other creative outlets um, that we can look forward to? Uh, I I'm doing some game design commission work currently. That's eating up my my non theater time. Um, I can't really talk about it because I'm under uh, NDA um, non disclosure agreement. That is fancy. <laughs> <laughs> I have so, never been able to say that. In my life. <laughs> that is a fancy sentence, and you should be proud of yourself. Sir. <laughs> yeah. So when it releases in hopefully a couple months, then then I can talk about it. But until then, I can't. So that's that's exciting. But I think the message that I'll say is just in regards to the theme of this of this episode is just continue to challenge yourselves, um, especially creatively. Um, and if you're into theater, continue to look for roles that are outside of your comfort zone. Um, and if you're not into theater, if you're not into acting, then go see dramas. <laughs> I guess yeah. is what I'll ultimately say. Fill yeah. those seats. Support our yeah. cause because we don't yes. get paid. Exactly. <laughs> well, labor like, of challenge love. yourself as an audience member yes. too. Yeah. Go don't see get something. caught in the comedy rut. Like comedies right. are great, but go like get a little culture in your life. See, mm-hmm. and that's the thing. Like, uh, like I have, you know, people in my life who, you know, they they, they did go and see Elephant Man, mm. which I thoroughly enjoyed. So thank you. <laughs> um, but, you know, come out like specifically for the weird stuff. Like, right, like, yeah. like the stuff that isn't like, you know, it's not a musical, it's not a comedy, you know, or a farce or anything like that. Mm. Like, and now I'm here for the weird thing. <laughs> I'm I'm here for the thing that that very few people will probably show up for mm-hmm. because I want to give myself that experience. Yeah, that's right. good. That's admirable. But but I'm also like, but you're still coming to the musical. <laughs> <laughs> we still need that ticket. Sale. <laughs> exactly. At the end of the day, we are business. So please buy those tickets. I mean, if you want to be a season ticket holder, I'm not gonna. <laughs> not gonna. <laughs> well, Nick, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. It's really nice that you're willing to come back. Oh yeah. Again and again and again. <laughs> We're up to three agains now with you. And I'm sure it won't be the last. No. Great. Not at all. Because we're going to be doing some exciting episodes coming up. The Landies are getting closer. So, and I will say right now publicly, thank God there is now a separation (laughs) (laughs) because Lord, (laughs) there would be some serious pains in that area because there's just too much to pick from this year. I think there's there's some really good shows. There's there was this whole last year. There was just full of so much, Mm. and everyone's done so much awesome like you can and that's what i love about being a part of this like community or just theater in general like you watch people grow Mm -hmm. and it's just been so fascinating to me Mm. well i think we have it really special here too because we have three different venues which Mm -hmm. is that is a wealth for this area like that's there's a that's 
surprisingly good. You well, know if you what I mean? think about it, if you spread it out far enough, it's like four. Because I would include Little Falls, typically, oh, sure. kind of. There's Little the... Falls, there's Bear Paws, or not Bear Paws, but what's the, there's one that's further north, too. Uh, there's Bemidji, but then you're getting out there a little bit. But, yeah. but like, we have three, and they're they're all close enough. Within, like, a 30-minute drive. That, yeah, <laughs> that, we, that we all interact with each other between all these different theater companies, and we can see the work that everybody's doing mm-hmm. and how everybody's evolving over time. So, I mean, I really feel like, like we have it really good here when it comes to creating theater. Yeah, we're really So you shouldn't here. leave, Travis. <laughs> yeah, stick around. Right. I'll think about it. <laughs> I mean, we're not going to make you feel bad about it or anything like that, but... Don't worry, I won't I won't pull a Sadie Wonder on you and tell you in the bio. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Love you, Sadie. Yeah. <laughs> well, you guys, we'll wrap this up now. But thank you so much for listening to our episode today of I Can't, I Have Rehearsal, a community theater podcast. Do you have anything to plug, Nick? This is your time to plug. <laughs> um, I would imagine that the middle of this Venn diagram is incredibly small, but if you like theater podcasts and you're listening to this and you like <laughs> Fantasy Flight's Arkham Horror the Card Game, <laughs> I also have a podcast called Mythos Busters. I host with three other people. It's very funny. Oh, you listen to it. I yeah. do listen yeah. to it. I listen to it. It's great. I like it. Um, so listen, you know, find that, listen to that if you're into that card game. Um, we have a lot of fun stuff on there. Um, otherwise, it might just, make you into the like. Yeah, maybe you'll get into the card game. Who knows? See, I wasn't necessarily into the card game, and I started listening to your podcast, and I was like, I gotta check out this game. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and then, as always, you can stop by nicholascorey.com, and that has all of my creative endeavors on it. So. Also, Amazon.com, if you would like to read anything that mm-hmm. Nick has written. Very true. Please do. It's if you like the whole science fiction <laughs> kind of genre, check it out. It's worth it. Thank yes. you. It's very worth it. So when are you going to finish that series, Doc? Uh, <laughs> so thanks for joining us today. <laughs> well, to follow all of us here at I Can't I Have Rehearsal, you can visit us at I Can't I Have Rehearsal Podcast.com. Rachel has done some beautiful work out there updating some graphics and images for us. Yes. Making it a little more fr- pretty to look at. A little more pretty to look at, a little bit more graphic. Hopefully, no promises on the. <laughs> The yeah. actual, like, physical materials that you can buy and show your support for. I can't have rehearsal, but... We're working on it. Yeah. We're working on that merch. <laughs> <laughs> we try it. But all of our links to, like, our personal social medias are out there. If you want to follow us personally, you can follow the podcast if you're in desperate need of Instagram followers because going live on Instagram real sad right now because nobody shows up. <laughs> uh, and, yeah, so next week, what do we have on tap next week? Uh, next week we are starting our new series with Behind the Director. We're going to start talking to directors in the area, and we're going to be talking with a first-time director, Mr. Ben Gordon. Ah, yes, Mr. Ben Gordon. She's a good musical. She's a good musical. I have personal, personal interest in that one, I do. I play the elephant man in that show. (laughs) (laughs) We just had a podcast with two elephant men. (laughs) One very sad and one very cartoon. <laughs> They're very different people, but I feel like they'd get along in real life. Here's the thing. You have one that's very on the upswing of things, one that is, if you need to unpack all of your feelings, <laughs> you should switch. Horton will make you feel some feels, just some different feels. <laughs> but Horton makes it happy afterward. John Merrick is just sad the whole time. Well, hey, my motto is a person's a person, no matter how small. And 
we just said. Look at the overlap. There we go, yeah. Good lord. <laughs> the, the, it's almost as if they planned it that way. I was going to say, it's like the shared elephant universe. <laughs> <laughs> but well, again, they, make sure to like and subscribe. Oh, God, please subscribe Please to the like podcast. and subscribe to the podcast. Also, we would... We're begging at this point. <laughs> Seriously, and like leave a review, leave a five-star review. We don't accept anything less than five. <laughs> it's really sad. We have two of them out there. Nice. Yeah. I don't know who it was. If it's Angry I'd Get or Angry Idget. I like Angry Idget better. <laughs> but that's the username, and they said that the hosts are very funny, and we have good views on theatrical productions and how to break them down. Nice. So Angry Idget, much love to you. Don't know who you, you, get a, you get a personal shout-out. Don't know who you are on iTunes, but... You get a personal shout out today. You are our fan of the week. Well, again, thank you, Nick, for coming back thank for a third time. <laughs> we'll go wrap this mother up. <laughs> Bye. Goodbye. I Can't. I Have Rehearsal, a community theater podcast. The wonderful brainchild of Travis Shapu and Laura Marsalek. Edited and produced by Rachel Klein. Brought to you in part by Squarespace. And a very special thank you to John Duprez and Eric Idle for the theme music.